Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, here's this week's message. I'm going to ask if you would to stand back to your feet. Just an attitude of prayer for a moment, if you would. If you need prayer this morning... I want to ask you to slip out and come down to the front. We, we don't do this enough, church family. We don't treat this altar as an altar. And we are in his presence this morning. If you need prayer this morning, would you just kind of slip out? We're going to have a special time of prayer in just a minute. Come on down. Anybody here need prayer today? I just sense the Lord wants us to really have a special time of prayer this morning. You know, Connie so beautifully said that God inhabits the praises of his people. And the praise is our weapon. But sometimes we come to gather together and we're so beat down by the things of the world that Satan's tool is to keep us quiet in our praise so that we walk out of here defeated as we were when we came in. Good morning, sweetie. I want you to stand by me. I need you to support me this morning. <laughs> Anybody else need special prayer this morning? Let's pray together. Lord, we stand together in this place this morning because we are in need of you. We are in need of the King we've already sung about today. Lord, I thank you so much for these friends in this place today. Lord, I, I know there are many, many, many needs represented, not only by those that are standing here at the front, but by those that are standing in the seats today. There's pain and sorrow. News that's been received this week that we didn't really want. heartbreak and pain but oh thank you God that we can have joy in you thank you God that the battle belongs to the Lord thank you God that you're victorious and because you're victorious we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus so Lord for every need that's represented in this group today God I pray in Jesus' name, that you would meet every single need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, selfishly, I would pray that you would meet the needs the way that we want them met. Lord, I pray that you would meet them the way that you want them met so that you would receive glory through us as your children. God, thank you for the gift of prayer a communication tool that we have with you that we don't use enough. 
Oftentimes, Lord, it's a last resort instead of uh, the first response. And so today, God, we acknowledge you as the king of the world. Would you, would you encourage our hearts today, Lord? Would you pour into us today? And we'll give you the thanks for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. got your Bible, if you would, uh, turn to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. We're going to pick up our study there from God's Word. And uh, while you're turning there, let me uh, just encourage you, if you would, church family, to check out your announcement sheet in your bulletin. There's a lot going on in the life of our church, especially uh, uh, Tuesday. Uh, this Tuesday, we have a new member dinner. For folks who have joined our church in the last 12, 18 months or so, and uh, actually I actually want to remind you also about a new member class on the 15th. I know some of you are maybe thinking about putting your roots down here, and we would love to have you be a part of our church family. Uh, this uh, May the 10th is our senior adult luncheon. I wanted to make sure I told you to bring a covered dish. Uh, if you don't bring a covered dish, we will enjoy fellowship, but we will not enjoy food because there will not be any. So please make note of, uh, of that if you would. Last week we talked about um, Paul and Timothy's relationship. And that Paul had a Timothy, as we are as believers in Christ. Paul's, if we know Jesus and we're growing our faith, we should have a Timothy. We should be a, a Paul to someone. And we also should be a Timothy to someone. We should be learning from a Paul. And uh, I hope that this week you are... I have been looking and thinking about who could be my Timothy and who is my Paul. And if you came down front to surround some of the younger folks this uh, last Sunday, I hope that you will uh, follow up with that. I will be reminding you that over the next several weeks so that you don't forget. Uh, I need reminders myself. This morning we get to the latter part of chapter 1. And I believe that it is going to share with us, God's word is going to share with us and remind us of some things that hopefully will encourage your heart today. Because I know that uh, we all are going through challenging times. So let's read it together, starting with verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul says to Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me. Because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, and yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. 
And yet for this reason I found mercy in order that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king. Jesus is the king. What a great reminder in song this morning. Jesus is the king. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He finishes his words of encouragement by saying, Amen. You know what the word amen means, hopefully. It means let it be so. Anytime you uh, hear the word or read the word amen in the Bible, or we say amen at the end of a prayer, we're saying let it be so. Amen, let it be so. But then he's not finished. He goes right into a charge to Timothy, and he says these words in the last three verses of the chapter. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son. In accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered over to Satan, so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. This morning I want to share just a few thoughts with you from these verses of scripture about the encouragement and the charge that Paul's given to Timothy. So let's be, let's start with the the encouragement. The first thing that he tells Timothy in that verse 12 is, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me. Be thankful for his strength. Today, one of the things that you and I have as a child of God, that's one of the gifts that he gives us is his strength. I think I've shared this before, but the great missionary, Corey Ten Boom, when she was interviewed, when she came back from the field, many people said, wow, did you not grow weary? You served over there so faithfully for decades. You missed funerals of loved ones. You missed weddings. You missed graduations. You were so faithful. Did you not ever grow weary? And she had a fantastic answer. She said, I never used any of my own strength. It was all his. We live in a world... Regardless of the challenges of our life and the challenges that many of us are facing this week, where if we try to live the Christian life in our own strength, I will give you a money-back guarantee you will crash and burn, and so will I. We cannot do it. If we can live the Christian life in our own strength, then what purpose did Jesus Christ come for? So Paul says to Timothy, straight up at the very beginning, I thank Christ Jesus. He has strengthened me. But then he also says something very interesting at the latter part of that verse. He considered me faithful, putting me into service. That word might be translated in some of your translations, ministry. And it's really not a, um, a special word. The original language in the Greek is really the, the word better there is service. It really means just to work hard and serve and persevere and serve for the Lord. There's nothing really high or spiritual about that word. Paul is saying, God has called me to a work and to serve and to serve him. And I'm thankful for his strength, but I'm also thankful for his trust. He counted me faithful. He trusted me. You ever had anybody trust in you or believe in you? Maybe you think... uh, Back to when you were young or when you were little. Maybe it was a parent or a grandparent or maybe it was a coach or a teacher. Maybe you had people tell you you wouldn't amount to a whole lot. But then somebody 
spoke into your life and believed in you and trusted in you and gave you a task. That's a powerful tool. And what's interesting is, as we know, Paul goes on to explain who he is, which we know on this side of history who Paul was. Paul was saved. He became a saint. He became the author of most of the New Testament that we read. But uh, Paul was not always Paul. Paul was a condemner of those who followed Jesus. And what's interesting, and I think what Paul is kind of hinting at here when he's saying, God placed his trust in me, he believed in me, he counted me faithful and put me into service was, God already knew all the stuff in my past and in my background. When you came, come in here today and as you gather today, I, I want to uh, encourage you that if you know God, if you're a child of God, if you've been saved, it doesn't matter about your past, you are not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. Some of us believe that lie of the devil because of things that have happened in our past that, well, I'm kind of down here, and so-and-so's here, and so-and-so's here, and we kind of have this tiered system in our mind, but it's very interesting. Spurgeon said it this way, the great orator of the faith said, Paul was foremost a saint, the Lord did not allot him a second-class place in the church. Even though he was the leading sinner, the Lord did not say, I'm going to save you, but I'm always going to remember your wickedness to your disadvantage. Are you not glad about that? That the Lord does not remember our wickedness? He does not remember our past. He forgives it. He throws it away as far as the east is from the west. And so... Jesus Christ, Paul says, I am thankful that Jesus Christ gives me strength. I'm thankful that Jesus put his trust in me, placed me in his service. But I'm also thankful for his grace, he says in verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was more than abundant. I am grateful for grace. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. We all, as children of God, another free gift that should encourage us this morning that we can receive from Jesus is the free gift of grace. It's free. Paul goes on to say this, if you remember when we studied the book of Ephesians, he says it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. It's by faith you're saved through grace, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is a free gift of God. I'm grateful for grace. I'm grateful that I get what I don't deserve. Paul's past, many think, should have disqualified him from serving God, but God's grace and his mercy, dear church family, covers our sin, covers the multitudes of our sins. And we should never feel that our past mistakes are going to keep us from being used in the kingdom of God. Yes, we need to learn from those mistakes, but we need to thank God for his grace. And Timothy, perhaps as Paul was sharing this, and he says, in verse 14, that grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus, was an encouragement to Timothy to stay the course because of the grace of Jesus. But he goes on and thanks, gives us even another reason to be thankful. Verse 16, he says, for this reason I found mercy. Boy, I'm grateful for mercy. Salvation and mercy. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. If you're out here on Woodruff Road and you're getting it down the road about 85 miles an hour, which I don't know how you do that, by the way, because it's normally bumper to bumper, but maybe you're on the sidewalks, these wonderful new sidewalks that we have. 
But if you're busting it down 85 and you get pulled over and the officer writes you a $400 ticket and says, by the way, you must come to court because you were driving 40 miles over the speed limit and you go to court and you stand before the judge, you don't walk up to the judge and say, give me justice, give me justice. Justice would be you're, you get buried under the jail cell. That's justice for going 40 miles over the speed limit. You throw yourself on the mercy of the court. You say, give me mercy. Don't give me what I do deserve. That's the same way Paul is saying we are before Jesus. Because what we deserve ultimately is death. The wages of sin is death. And we all are sinners. And Paul says he was a chief sinner, but he is so thankful for the salvation and mercy of God. This exceedingly abundant, he says there at the end of verse 14, more than abundant. So there are a lot of things that we can be thankful for. What else can we be thankful for? We can be thankful for his patience, Paul says in verse 16. Yet for this reason I found mercy. Why? In order that in me, as the foremost sinner... Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience. Aren't you grateful for the patience of God? Wow. The many times I have sinned or done things wrong in my past, and the Lord was patient, 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 patient. Long-suffering is another great word. He was patient. Why was he patient with Paul? Paul says, so I would be an example For those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. A pattern that people would look at and point to and say, Wow, if Paul, if the Lord Jesus was patient with Paul, who actually killed and executed people who claimed to be Christians and who were trying to follow Jesus, if the Lord Jesus was patient with Paul, wow, he'll be patient with me. And the Lord is patient with us to a point. We just never know when that long suffering is going to end. Paul is trying to encourage Timothy in the faith, and he encourages him, encourages him very well if you back up. Why does he encourage him with all this? Why is he able to say all this? It goes right back to verse 15. Paul actually gives the entire gospel right there in one verse. What is it? It's about the king, the king Jesus. He says, it is a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. The reason that we have mercy and grace and salvation and trust and patience, the reason we have all those things is because Christ Jesus came into the world, died on a cross and paid the penalty of our sin so that we would get all that stuff for free as a gift from God. It's the great exchange, some people have said. Because of our sin, actually what we deserve is death. But Jesus himself took our place on the cross. He was the substitute for us. He took all that pain. He took the sins upon himself and the death upon the cross. And instead of us getting that, he gave us his goodness, his righteousness, his mercy, his grace, his salvation, his patience. Wow, if that doesn't fire you up this morning, punch your neighbor and say, are you awake? That's good news. I know we have challenges going on in our life, but that is great news. That's good news. 
If by some really stroke of bad luck, something happens to me today and I drop dead, guess what? I have good news. I have the grace of Jesus. I have the strength of Jesus. I have the trust of Jesus. I have the love of Jesus. I have the mercy of Jesus. I have the patience of Jesus. And because of all those free gifts, ultimately resting in the salvation of what Jesus Christ did, Paul said on the cross, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. Do you? I sure hope so. Because that's a free gift. It's a free gift that Jesus paid for us. But Paul goes on to move from encouraging Timothy to giving him some specific instructions. It's interesting to me that he kind of puts these together in this chapter. Because they are together. And what happens in a lot of churches across our land... Is we get the encouragement and we hear the good news of grace and mercy and salvation and belief. And that is true and that's God's word. But sometime in church pulpits across America, we also don't hear the fact that God, because of all those free gifts that he's given us, has a charge for us and something for us to do. And if you're still breathing, and you are, some of you, most of you. God has something for us to do. And Paul is going to give Timothy a charge you say, what, is, what does a charge mean? Charge is from the Greek word. And it's a military word. It's actually the same word that Paul used back in verse 3 when he says to Timothy, I urge you upon my departure, remain on at Ephesus in order that you may instruct. That word instruct and that word that we're talking about here where Paul says, this command I entrust to you. That whole phrasing is wrapped around the idea of, I am charging you as a military officer. As your spiritual father and you're the spiritual son, I am charging you with some instructions. They're not suggestions, in other words. I am charging you to do this. You know what? We are all, if you're a child of God, myself included, all of us, in a sense, are Timothys to Jesus. He is the king. He's the commander-in-chief. And the things in Scripture that he's told us to do come with the same impetus, the same backbone, the same encouragement. All those things that Timothy's told us that are encouraging and feel good are part of the encouragement. But the other part of the encouragement is, go do what I've told you to do. It's a charge. It's a command. It's a military word. In our country, it's hard to... I'm so glad some of the songs Joey picked this morning. I hope you appreciate... The navigating that our worship pastor, executive pastor does with the songs. A lot of churches are not singing the militant songs anymore. Have you noticed? Maybe not because you've been here. That's good. (laughs) Go visit one church this year and just kind of investigate. A lot of our churches have stopped singing those kind of songs. Onward Christian soldiers. We're in a battle. If you remember when we studied Ephesians, Paul spent a whole chapter talking about being in a battle and the army, the armor of God that we're supposed to wear. And so what he's saying to Timothy right here is, I'm getting ready to charge you as a military officer because, hello, all those good touchy-feely things are important and they're true from God's word and they should encourage you. But don't forget we're in a battle because he's getting ready to say to him, go fight the good fight. Why would he say that? Because we're in a spiritual battle. And he's reminding Timothy of this. And so he says to him, I charge, I commit to you, this charge I commit to you. 
But then he says something else that's interesting. Verse 18, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. Now, let's talk about that for just a little bit. I want you to know sometimes when we're going through these books of the Bible, it's, it would be easy to jump over a few verses that either I don't know a lot about because I don't know the entire Bible front to back. I wish I did better than I do. It would be easy to jump over some verses that seem controversial or, you know, how do you talk about those in the context of 2022? But we can't do that. If we're studying God's word, we have to study the whole counsel of God's word and go through here. And so Paul says to Timothy, I'm charging you. I'm getting ready to give you some instructions. Remember, remember some of the prophecies in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. What does that mean? Well, Paul is trying to tell Timothy, he wants Timothy to consider what the Holy Spirit has already said to him in his life. What the instruction in God's word has already been that Timothy knew in his life. Look at the whole counsel of God's word. All that God has said to you in your past, listen to, receive, think about what you've heard from other people. And then he's going to challenge him to think through those things. The the implication here is to use your mind and use What's a, a big D word called discernment? Discernment. So he's saying, Timothy, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you. Think about this with discernment. There are many ways God speaks to us. Four primary ways. Do you know these? God speaks to us primarily through this book right here. That's the number one way. If anybody ever tells you anything and it contradicts this, they don't know what they're talking about. They can say they're a prophet all they want, but if it doesn't go along with this, they don't know what they're talking about. They're lying to you. God speaks through his word. God speaks through prayer, communicating, not always us talking, but us stopping and listening. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through other people. Those are primarily the four ways God speaks. And so Paul is getting Timothy's attention, reminding him about some prophecies that were previously made. Apparently, apparently God had spoken to Timothy through other people that may have had the gift of prophecy or uh, were given, give, gave him words of encouragement to stay strong in the difficulties that Timothy had coming. So these prophecies could have indicated what was going to happen in his future ministry, or maybe they didn't indicate what was going to happen in his future ministry. Church family, I want to encourage you and caution you and warn you, because there are a lot of people, and the Bible tells us there will be even more people as the return of Christ gets closer and closer that are going to stand up and say, I'm a prophet, and they're going to say things that sound really good and really spiritual, but if they don't go along with God's word, they're not confirmed by the people of God, then that's not true. And we're told, Paul tells us elsewhere in the book to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. But he also says later in that chapter that we must take care to test all prophecy according to the word of God and the witness of others. And here's what I'm seeing in our, in our world right now. Maybe you're seeing this. People are hungry for a steady diet of 
the prophetic, not, a lot of time, not all the time, but a lot of time so that they can uh, become biblically illiterate and choose instead to kind of dial in a prophet. And I'm just going to hear what he says. And if it sounds good as touchy-feely, then that must be what God wants. Are you tracking with me this morning? Are you seeing some of those things in our world? If you're not, you better open your spiritual eyes because it's happening. People predicting the end of the world. Had somebody a few weeks ago tell me it was going to be, um, it was going to be on uh, April the 25th of this year. What's today? Okay, we missed it, guys. We missed it. We're still here. I don't know what happened. They said, well, we kind of heard this on, on some TV preacher. The Bible says no one knows the end of time, only Jesus, the Son of God. And when God the Father looks over and says, go get your bride, that's when we'll know. So if people want to tell you they've got it figured out mathematically or they, whatever, just say, well, according to the Bible, nobody knows. Not even you with your Ph.D. in theology. And those are some of the prophets that are happening, some of the prophecies that are happening, and will continue to happen. We'll see that as the return of Jesus gets closer and closer. So Paul is charging Timothy, hey, use discernment. I'm entrusting you in accordance with the prophecies that you've heard concerning you. Take those into consideration. Use discernment. Don't swallow wholeheartedly everything that you've heard. Use discernment. Seek after God. So that you may, here's the next two things he tells him that are very important. The first one is this, so that you can fight the good fight, fight the good fight. And we are in a spiritual battle. By the way, if you remember, Paul also said our battle is not with people. Church, church, I'm concerned Because we as Christians, we are in a spiritual war. But our war is not with people. So be careful. Some of us are going to lose our reputation as a Christ follower on social media by land blasting and condemning and being cutthroat to other people who are human beings made in the image of God that may have a different ideology or they may disagree with you, but they are someone for whom Christ Jesus died. Be careful. Trust me, I know it's difficult. When I get all antsy and I want to just... Just start typing my comment. You know what I have to do? I just have to close the computer and I have to walk away. Because I'm like, if I give them a piece of my mind, I can't afford to give them a piece of my mind. Number one, be careful. We have to fight the good fight, but our fight is not with people. Paul tells us our fight is with spiritual powers and principalities. And how do we fight? We sung about it this morning. The way I fight is I get on my knees. That's how I fight. And I pray and I ask the king of the universe to fight on my behalf. And a lot of us are trying to do it in our own strength. And we're trying to fight with people. It's not going to work. It's not going to matter who's in the seat of authority in government. The world is still not going to be doing what Jesus Christ has told us to do. Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, doesn't matter. 
Neither party's going to get it 100% right. So we have to be remembering that we are fighting the good fight. And I think one of the reasons that Paul tells Timothy this, if we back up into the first part of this chapter, is Timothy apparently was thinking about giving up. He was discouraged. We talked about that a little bit last week. And it's interesting that Paul tells him all these words of encouragement And then he talks about maybe people have spoken into your life and told you this or that. Maybe they've prophesied over you. But the main point that he tells him is get ready to fight the good fight. You're in a spiritual battle. The focus is not on this prophetic word he heard on the past. The focus is you're in a spiritual battle right now. Are you ready? Fight the good fight. I think the King James Version says it the same way. Fight the good fight. I love that. And Timothy maybe was thinking about packing his bags and leaving Ephesus because he had this responsibility or should have had this responsibility to stay because Paul was giving him instructions to do so, but he felt like leaving because he's a soldier in battle. Can I just ask you a question, church family? Are you at your post? Are you at your spiritual post? Or have you kind of walked away from your post in the battle? Because it's easy to do. And the devil uses discouragement, and he uses defeat, and he uses bad news, and he uses sorrow, and he uses all those things to get us to walk away from our post and to leave our place of service. You want to see a church crumble and fall to the ground when God's people start to just walk away from their post of service, whatever that might be, that's when Satan goes, okay. I'm moving in for the kill now. People are abandoning ship. They're moving away from their post. They're not praying. They're walking away. They're doing whatever. They're getting distracted. I think that's why Paul was so hard in this by saying, I'm charging you with this thought. Do, do, do you run when it gets hard? Are you willing to commit to your post? It's difficult. It's not always happy. It's not always great. There aren't always roses sprinkled in front of you to do what God's called you to do. It's challenging. Personally, it's challenging corporately with what God is challenging us to do. We can't abandon our post. He says, fight the good fight. But then he says, here's how you fight the good fight. Timothy, my son, keep faith in a good conscience. Verse 19, keep faith in a good conscience. Those are essential things when battling for the Lord. Faith and a good conscience. That those things actually protect us, much like the spiritual armor that he talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. Those things protect our mind and they protect our heart against spiritual attacks of doubt and condemnation. Those thoughts of, you think God loves you? Really? Man, you've forgotten all that junk you did in your past. You think God loves you? You think God would ever use you? Faith and a good conscience protect our mind and our heart from listening to all that junk that the devil tries to fill us with. And Paul's saying those are essential. Those are essential, my son, if you're going to fight the good fight. And Timothy, he's saying he had to have faith that God was in control. He had to have a good conscience because his enemies were going to come and to attack him. And a good conscience comes from conducting yourself rightly. 
The good conscience isn't just a conscience that a conscience that approves us and approves what we do. It's one that approves that we've been doing what is right. The, the way that you and I put our head on the pillow at night and we sleep and we have a good conscience is it's directly connected to our conduct of how we are living. Does that make sense? We don't just all of a sudden kind of just push out this good conscience. That doesn't happen. It comes from a result of living in good conduct with Jesus and doing what he's called us to do. But Paul speaks of a couple people who hadn't done that. And man, you could preach a whole sermon on this, but we don't have time. How sad, how sad and how scary to have your name recorded in the Bible as being two people who did not do what you were supposed to do. Some of my non-believing friends that I witnessed to say, well, the Bible only tells stories. It's all good stories. It doesn't even mention anybody that does anything bad. Hello? Right here's two people. And Paul actually calls them out by name. By name. And it's recorded for us all these years later that we're reading these two people's names. Man, we have strayed a long way from church discipline, haven't we? He calls these two people out by name that are not doing what they're supposed to do. He says to Timothy, hey, don't shipwreck your faith. Have a good conscience. Keep faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected. Some have suffered shipwreck into their faith. And by the way, if you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm going to tell you who they are. <laughs> Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander. And apparently they're so, they've done such a bad job on following God that Paul basically says, I'm turning you over to the devil. You ever had kids or grandkids that way when they were young? You just thought, I can't get you to behave. I'm just turning you over to the devil. Wow. And Timothy knew who these people were. When we get to the book of 2 Timothy, we will find out, because it gives us a little more detail about Hymenaeus. And he has a new partner at that point in the story. Philetus, he's pulled this other guy in, and apparently they were going around trying to destroy people's faith by telling people that the resurrection had already happened. And Paul is saying, here's two right here that you know, right here in this community, two people that you know who have shipwrecked their faith. They have suffered in regard to their faith, and I am turning them over to the enemy. Why would he say that? He says that because he is comparing their false doctrine to like a gangrene that spreads corruption. And he talks about doctrine. We talked about it last week, how important doctrine is. And nowadays people don't even know what doc, what is doctrine? Doctrine, the foundational beliefs that you and I stand upon. That's the doctrine. And upon that doctrine, based on God's word, is where we form our convictions of how to live. If we don't know doctrines, we don't know convictions. And if we don't have convictions, that's why the world is the way that it is. And so Paul is saying, here's two guys who are actually spreading false doctrine. And I'm turning them over to Satan. What a harsh judgment. Why would he do that? 
I don't know. A lot of people have speculated. If you read the other things that Paul writes, there's a lot of theories we could come up with. Maybe, maybe he's gone and tried to talk to them and they didn't listen. Maybe he's taken another group of people as he outlines in the book of Corinthians how we're supposed to do when people begin to stray from the faith. Maybe they disappeared from their church gatherings, their fellowship gatherings for a series of week and Paul went and talked to them and then he took some friends and they still didn't come back. And he finally got to the point of saying, there's two out there and this is the way they're living. Boy, oh boy. Try that in 2022. Would not be a very popular pastor if we started doing that from the pulpit. Why in the world would Paul call them out by name? I don't know for sure, but I have an idea. And I think Paul's heart, based on the other letters that he writes for us and that are recorded in God's word, is that the church would be a pure church striving to follow after Jesus. And it can't be if there are people pulling in the other direction. We talked about purity a few weeks ago in Genesis. And we talked about how a friend of mine, if you missed that service, I'll give you the scoop real quick. A friend of mine served in a railroad yard that had serial trains that would come in boxcars. And his job was to actually drop this basket in and pull out a sample and determine how much of the cereal in there was contaminated and how much was not. And there is a certain legally allowed contamination in all cereal, all boxed products that passes, even if it's contaminated to this level. And yet most of us, when we find that out, kind of, kind of makes our skin crawl a little bit. Should make our skin crawl even more if the church is not as pure as God's called us to be. And I think what Paul is saying is that weakens our influence. It waters down our influence. We have to be serving and pulling in the same direction and doing what God's called us to do. Why? Because we're a part of a team. I mean, there's so many analogies I could throw out this morning. You, you get the picture, I'm sure. There are players on a team and they're pulling in the opposite direction. The coach eventually calls them out and says, maybe this is the wrong team for you. Because we've got to work together. And Paul is encouraging Timothy by saying, hey, you better get ready because you're going to have to fight the good fight and you're going to need faith and a good conscience to do it. And as a result, the fuel that's going to help you keep that in your mind is the salvation of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the patience of God, all those things that are free. When you receive the Lord Jesus. So where are you and I this morning? Do you need that encouragement today? All those free things today, they are at our disposal because Jesus gives those freely. Are you fighting the good fight? I know many of you in this room, you are in the thick of it. Maybe you're growing weary. We'll go back and read those earlier verses. And find your strength in the mercy and grace and patience and strength of Jesus. If you're not fighting that good fight, find your post because God has an assignment. He has a charge for you and I. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have an assignment for each of us who are your children. Lord, again, I pray for so many of us in this place that are maybe weary from the battle. Understandably so, Lord. Would you remind us that the battle belongs to you today? 
Would you remind us, God, that you are the victor today? Lord, for these friends in this place, I pray, God, that you would give us your mercy and your grace, your patience, your strength to fight the good fight. Lord, help us just to dive into your word, to spend time with you in prayer, to fuel ourselves for the battle that we face every day. Lord, be our, be our strength. Don't just give us a little spoonful of strength. Would you be our strength? Remind us, God, that our battle is not with people. I guess in a sense it is with one person, and his name is Satan. Who your word tells us comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, oh God, you have come that we might have life and have it more abundant. So thank you for that gift. In Christ Jesus. My friends, as you just spend just a moment there with your head bowed and your eyes closed and you, you're praying there in your seat, would you just thank God for his strength, for his grace, mercy, and salvation? Maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus today and maybe you're trying to fight the battle of life all by yourself. Can I just tell you, you don't have to do that. Matter of fact, it's an impossibility. There is a king who is overcome, and his name is Jesus. It's a trustworthy and a statement that is worthy of full acceptance. As Paul said, Christ Jesus came and died and paid the penalty of our sin on the cross. And raised from the dead and lives again so that you and I can have the strength for the battle. So today, maybe you just say, you know what? The battle is the Lord's, and I need to give that battle to him. I need to give my life to him today. If that's you, in just a minute, my friend Heath is going to be standing here at the front with me, and maybe you need to accept Jesus today. Receive the Lord as your Savior. If you do, we'll be here. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe today you'd love to make Crossroads your home church and put your roots right here and say, this is the place I want to grow. I I know where my post is, my assignment is right here to serve. If that's you, then in just a moment when we stand and sing, I'm going to ask that you just come and respond to this invitation today. Jesus, have your way. During this time of invitation, in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's sing together? And you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.